0: Mindfulness Mode 261.
1: When I wake up every morning, I say, I'm so grateful I am. I'm so grateful I'm here. And it makes me smile.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Lankford. Hey, great to connect with you again today, Mindful Tribe. Thanks so much for joining us. I uh, always encourage you to tell your friends about Mindfulness Mode because spreading the word can really help the show, can really help promote. Last time, I featured a master communicator. He's coached many speakers, he's amazing at that, and he is an awesome, outstanding speaker himself. You'll find he's, he's grounded, he's centered, and he's incredibly wise. Check out Majid Magaraban on my last episode, Mindfulness Mode, you can go to it at mindfulnessmode.com 260. Some of you have won Mindfulness Mode t-shirts, so congratulations to Eric, to Anita, to Jason, also to Hamoud. These are just some of our t-shirt winners. You can be one too. Just listen for my next t-shirt giveaway. Today, my guest is a scientist. She's a quantum physicist. Her scientific background is quite extensive and it means that she can explain how energy healing actually works. I totally love talking with today's guest. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. Hey, I have such a great expert with me today. You are just going to love today's interview. I'm here with Anastasia and I should say Dr. Anastasia Chopolis. Dr. Chopolis. Are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: That's I'm ready. (laughs) That is great. I am too. I'm so excited to talk with you. And I I just want to share a little bit about you with our Mindful Tribe listeners, Anastasia. And this is what I have. Dr. Anastasia Choplis, well, she has an unusual combination of scientific curiosity and heritage as a fourth generation healer. Now imagine that, fourth generation, which makes her uniquely qualified to understand The subtle energies that promote or deteriorate health. And they also promote or deteriorate your success and your relationships, that's for sure. She retired from a 40-year career as a physicist and a researcher studying quantum and vibrational physics to become the scientific healer. And uh, her processes are responsible for hundreds of medical miracles. Must be so rewarding. Some of these are outlined in her book, which is called The Diamond Healing Method. So get your hands on that whenever possible. Dr. Anastasia's scientific background enables her to explain energy healing in simple, practical terms to make everyday miracles believable. So now you know why this is going to be a sensational interview. Wow. Well, let's get on the same page, Anastasia. What does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Well, for me, mindfulness is understanding that every action that you take and every thought that you have has its consequences. So that means if you snapped at somebody who's around you, that the consequences are you're creating, you're creating a situation that is not ideal. And likewise, when you are cheerful and happy, even if you go into a shop and you're just chatting with someone, just by being cheerful and saying hello it uplifts them and so there's always a ripple effect no matter what you do
0: there really is and i've heard about those ripple effects from so many people can you think of any of the ripple effects that maybe you caused when you were a child what were you like as a child anastasia
1: Oh, well, I was painfully, painfully shy Mm. and uh, utterly curious. And I can remember I spent a lot of time alone in our backyard. I grew up in Massachusetts for the first few years of my life, and I remember spending lots of time alone and just exploring every nook and cranny. We had woods out in the back, and I just enjoyed that. So I did not interact with that many people until I went to school.
0: Wow. So it sounds like uh, you were just kind of in your own space, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe almost like mindful at that point. Did you, looking back, do you think you were a mindful girl? Uh, Oh,
1: absolutely. I couldn't even understand all the kids, how they were mean to one another. And I just would shy away. I remember in kindergarten, I would sit, I would sit in the corner and just do puzzle after puzzle or read book after book. And the teacher would come and ask me, don't you want to go and play outside? And it thought frightened me because of the way the kids pushed each other around and hit each other and called each other names. And I'm just like, oh no, I don't want to be part of that.
0: And then later, you became a physicist. I did. And wow, that must have been exciting. And one of the reasons I think this is so phenomenal is because my 16-year-old son wants to become a scientist, and he has for a long time, since he was about seven years old or earlier. And I think he will be so excited to hear this episode. You became a physicist and a researcher studying quantum and vibrational physics. I mean, how cool is that? And what are some of the most amazing, surprising things you learned when you when you went on this journey to become, you know, a, a physicist?
1: Oh, so for me, it was totally, total excitement. When I was seven, my dad brought home a map of the universe and hung it in the kitchen. And I just like going, oh, we're a little dinky planet in this huge universe. And I got really excited about that. And, and so people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said a scientist. And everybody thought, ha, 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 <laughs> this little tiny child saying that, but I, I did that. It was like my total focus in school. And um, and it was easy for me because being really timid, it was just easy for me to dive into, um, you know, studying for long periods of time and really developing. And the thing that really brought me out of my shell is I got a job as a telephone operator. So I talked, <laughs> I talked all day long to strangers and I discovered <laughs> that was easy.
0: I'm surprised that you went after a job like that
1: (laughs) well you know in those days we didn't have visible it was just a wall of plugs and we were plugging things in
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny and so what was your first job after you got your degree as a physicist
1: well, my first job is I went to work at a, an oil company, um, Chevron, at the time, and it's now moved its research facility to Northern California. So I started out here in Southern California, and then I've lived all over the world since. But um, <laughs> but in that first job, I was this research scientist in this all male environment of a bunch of oil people, and that was really fun, and I learned a lot. I was a supervisor in a laboratory and we were in charge of a hundred different analyses on different oil samples and um, I learned a lot about being a supervisor. I did things naturally and I didn't know that. I did things naturally that really got them motivated and really produced really well and they got their best raises ever and their best promotions ever because um, because somehow, whatever, however I interacted with them motivated them to do better.
0: Well, I want to ask you, what kind of mindfulness was involved in being that single woman in a man's world?
1: Um, well, it's been that way for so long, because, you know, in physics, or in physical chemistry, I got my PhD in physical chemistry at UCLA. And I I have my master's from Caltech was which was almost all male too, that I hung around male energy all that time. And it's not as complicated as female energy. We have a lot, we, you know, we have all these hormones mm-hmm. and we go through these cycles and it's complicated. You never know. And males just to me were a lot easy to interact with. <laughs> okay.
0: So it sounds like it wasn't a big, big issue for you.
1: Well, it wasn't, and it was because a lot of times uh, we would sit in a room, and there would be 10 of us, and I was the only woman, and some of the men were not listening to me, and I had a boss who was totally on my side, and we'd sit in the room, and I'd say something, and they would ignore it. Then he'd say it, and they all go, oh, it's such a great idea, (laughs) and he would get really angry. I said, look, it doesn't matter. It didn't bother
0: you. That sounds like <laughs> mindfulness right there.
1: <laughs> yes, it didn't. And a lot of times they would ask questions of me like... um well, you know, we don't have everybody wants to their budget, but we have to cut back. So um, and I'd say, Oh, yeah, just take my whole budget. I don't care. And then at the end of the year, they had leftovers. And then they'd call me up and they say, Well, you're the only one that was adult about it. So here you have three times your budget, you can go spend it now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it all worked out, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in the bio, I mentioned that you were responsible for hundreds of medical miracles can you share a few of those with us
1: yes I've had even my my very first one which was really scary to me it was a, a person that I'd known since he was a little boy and um, my parents uh, are were good friends with their family and he was in a really bad car accident where he had brain damage. Uh, he w- had a broken arm and a broken leg and was laying in a coma in the hospital. And my mom says, well, could you just help him out? And I, 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 I like, I took my breath away thinking I'm responsible for helping bring this person back to life. Right. And the doctors had even told his mom, look, you know, um, he's not going to make it. So say your prayers and kiss him goodbye. And uh, and that's what medical science does. They can stabilize you, they can, you know, but they don't know what to do with you, how to bring you back from from something like that. So I went into the hospital and saw him laying there, and I just started doing my thing. I just said, okay, I'm not gonna be afraid, I'm just gonna let go. And I a lot of the work that I do is in in conjunction with spirit. I have been deeply spiritual. Since I was a little girl and I work with the other side because I can hear them and I can feel what they want me to do so I do that. And- and I just started listening, and I started taking care of him, and while I was working on him, all the dials that he was connected to started shifting, and the bells stopped ringing, and I go, oh, wow, I wonder what that is, and I wrote them down, and found that his intracranial pressure, which, which you know, causes the brain, uh, you know, brain swelling is where damage occurs, the intracranial pressure dropped to less than a third of its initial value, oh. and and three weeks later, he woke up just fine. <laughs> and um, he, and even then, his parents had a had a really difficult relationship. It was. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth with uh, them. His mother is a very temper- temperamental Greek, like, you know, I grew up, I'm Greek. So, and um, they ended up being really good friends, because I took care of all that while he was in the coma, and did seven hours of brain healing. And you can't tell that he has brain damage. So, from then on, from then on, every time I encountered somebody they'd come to me, "I've had this problem for ten, twenty, thirty, or forty years, and can you help me, whether it's asthma or kidney disease or um some people have tumors? One lady had ten years of migraine headaches, unrelenting, and she said she tried everything, even surgery, twice, and nothing worked. And within two weeks the, the headaches have stopped and she'll call me once every three months or so for a little tune up, but they just don't haven't come back. And then she had me work on her daughter who had the same problem. And you know, both of them are doing great now. So the these problems then just seem to disappear. And when it first started happening, I kept thinking it was coincidence, but it was consistent. So people come to me and sometimes it takes one session. Usually it's about 90 days because that's about how long it takes for the body to energetically shift.
0: And how many sessions during that 90 days would you do with a typical person?
1: Um, I usually do once a week, either an hour or half an hour.
0: I see. And did you do this kind of work early in your adulthood or did it come later?
1: Well, what happened is that when I was about 41, I got really, really, really sick. And I only had about two good hours a day. I had a tumor, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I had all kinds of problems. And I was exhausted all the time. I was under adrenal failure. And um, my thyroid gave out. So, And it wasn't because I was mistreating my body. I was getting up every morning and running six miles before breakfast. I ate a really healthy diet, and I was lean, and the doctors couldn't understand why I was so sick, and they had no solutions. And so because I've always been highly intuitive, and I've always felt things like, I could feel other people. I could also sense their thoughts. Um, You know, when someone would come toward me and they'll say, oh, they're going to say this to me. And then they do. happened happen all the time.
0: Wow! wow. <laughs>
1: so so I, I got connected. I was living in Germany um, at the time and I got connected to a whole set of women who did alternative therapies in a self-help group. And one of them in, righted, invited me to a Reiki class. Mm-hmm. And um, we were doing these exercises blindfolded and all these people were these total wannabes. They wanted to be able to do what I was doing. And then I was the one that was able to do them. And I thought, hmm, maybe there's something to this. (laughs) And And so, from that time on, I'm I'm just about to turn 65. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be on Medicare next month.
0: <laughs> I can't believe that you seem so vibrant and youthful, and I'm like, this just doesn't even make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I still take good care of myself, but now I do all the energy stuff every day. It's just a few minutes, like. You know, all you have to do basically to feel better, and this is being mindful, is to stand up straight so your spine is straight. That's in power mode. When you're hunched over like this, you're in defensive mode, and there is a two-way conversation between what your body is doing and what you're feeling. So... Um, just like when you smile, if you're not feeling good, just smile or laugh and you'll instantly feel better. Right. So <laughs> I just do these little energy things every morning and they don't take any time. You just I just do them while I'm out walking or, you know, when I get up in the morning on the way to the bathroom, I just do my things. <laughs> OK,
0: so you said one of them is standing up straight. Tell me in more detail what some of the others are.
1: Okay. So some of the things that I do, there is a process because we're all connected um, energetically. All humans are connected heart to heart and even our animals connect through us. Like our animals love us and we're all connected. But if we're connected in other ways, then it becomes a dependency. So I just cut cords. So I just cut cords By chopping down three times, I pull all the cords from the back and I chop because I have so many clients that depend on me. They'll like connect to me at night like, oh, I need Anastasia. I need to call her. And then they connect and I just disconnect all that. Okay,
0: so when you say you chop cords, you are physically taking your hands and you're doing a chopping motion.
1: Right, and I'm imagining them dropping into the earth and okay. away from me.
0: And how long does that single exercise take? That you drop, that you chop the cords.
1: Oh, just you, uh, just as we were talking. Like a few seconds. A few seconds. A few
0: seconds. So you physically go like a chop, chop, and you in your mind, I'm chopping those. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's all done with intention because everything is done with intention, right? Right. Whatever we do. So um, that's what being mindful is for me is being, uh, you know, whatever I'm doing, I have the intent to do that. And it's it's all successes like that. Like when I first started studying, I, but did, I decided I was going to get my doctorate and I just went straight through. And by the time I was 28, I had it. And um, then I decided I was going to work in industry. So I did that five years and I didn't like it as much. And then I went into research and stayed in research the rest of the time. So, you know, it, all, everything that you do, whether you decorate your house or whether you decide what you're going to wear somewhere, it's all in this creative intention process.
0: And so did you have more fun in your career or are you having more fun now post-career?
1: Um, I always had fun all the time, because I always found the the good part of whatever it was I was doing, even when things were really tough. You know, I was married to an alcoholic who was oh. getting more and more abusive as the longer we were married, and that wasn't that fun, no. but I still found fun in it, because I had two young children, and children are just to me you know the total joy in life I'm enjoying my two-year-old grandson he my daughter came back to live for a little while while she's out getting a job and uh, he's here and what a pleasure you know and so that was I found the joy in the little things But I knew I needed to solve the big ones. And it was this giant mountain because we worked together. So there was this giant mountain of things to get through. And I just got through one day at a time.
0: As I look at you, you know, you look so joyous. You look like you have so much happiness and you've laughed a lot. Let's talk about joy and happiness. How do we bring that into our lives if we're feeling kind of sullen?
1: Well, the first thing that... I think people don't realize is there's always something good in your life. Even when you're going through something difficult, like the lessons that I learned being married to this this man and we're now really good friends right? The lessons that I learned, I'm so grateful because I would have never been able to. And he helped me get the career that I had. And he and we have two beautiful children and three, three beautiful grandchildren. So all those things, when I think of all the positive things, it's like a matter of being grateful. And when I wake up every morning, I say, I'm so grateful I am. I'm so grateful I'm here. And it makes me smile because I'm so happy to be on this earth and experiencing all all these wonderful things.
0: Anastasia do you meditate and if you do what does it look like?
1: Well it can look a lot of ways. I, I have written some guided meditations that are that you can grab for free on my website and I also will walk and meditate. So I do a lot of moving. I find that when I'm walking, I'm and in the stillness, I can, um, you, know, basically dive deep into myself and let my thoughts flow. And some people say, "Well, you need to have no thoughts and just going that." For me, that's never been possible. Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like you know, a thousand mile an hour whirlwind in there.
0: (laughs) Well, you share so many of these ideas on your podcast, which is called Scientific Healing. And uh, on that podcast, it's just wonderful what you share, and it just seems to flow so easily. And you can learn so much. I love that. As we're moving toward uh the end of our interview i want to ask you five quick answer questions anastasia the first one is this who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness anastasia
1: who's one person um i don't think there's any one person but i have to say that uh when i was in sunday school i had a really awesome sunday school teacher who when she talked, I used to be completely fascinated and she had this really peaceful demeanor about her and she was very deeply devout. And so just by that connection with her, we we were friends for 40 years. Just by that connection with her, she really influenced me from a very young age.
0: How has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: Well, I have... I don't have explosive emotions. Like I know what I'm feeling Like when I get angry, I can feel it, but I don't explode out. I start thinking, okay, what is it about them that's making me angry? Because it's usually about me. So I, um, I know that I usually turn it back in and ask myself, what am I doing that is making me angry? Because that person is doing it. It's like, I look at it as they're showing a mirror to me.
0: I see. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness, Anastasia.
1: Well, I take deep breaths every day um, because it brings me into the moment. So, so many of us are stuck, and this used to be me sometimes when it was bad, stuck about worrying uh, or shame and guilt of the past, And worrying about the future and when you start breathing deeply at least when I do I breathe deeply all the way down into my belly I use my belly and imagine the air is going all the way down to my toes that as soon as I get into that breathing it brings me right into the moment and I stop you know it brings me away from the past and away from the future and into the now and then I ask myself how am I doing right now And that really settles everything down.
0: Could you share a book which is related to mindfulness?
1: Well, that's a really, really hard uh, question to ask because I've been doing this for so long. So some of the first books that I read that were really awesome were um, things like The Seat of the Soul Mm -hmm. from Gary Zukav and The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Right. So these are some of them I have read. These were ones that I couldn't put down because they were so fascinating.
0: Right. Well, thanks for sharing those. And I'll put those in our show notes, which is at mindfulnessmode.com. Now, can you share an app with us which helps you to be more mindful?
1: Well, I think that the Pomodoro app that you can put on your computer that will, you know, have you get up and move around once an hour or so, because a lot of us get stuck on computers for long periods of time. That would be an app that I would recommend for people who, you know, just get stuck in one position. Like I, I get up and move once an hour. Just because it helps a lot, gets the blood flowing, and stand up straight, that kind, of th- that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it very much does help, Anastasia. How can we connect with you and learn more about what you do?
1: Well, i my website scientifichealer.com. I didn't choose Anastasiachopless.com because no one can spell it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some free gifts on there. There's um, a an 11 minute wake up your brain audio it's healing and it gets you clear and then there's also um, at the very top there's a five day success challenge and the success challenge is to basically to help you have better more intentional conversations with people and it gets you more mindful
0: Excellent. Well, I look forward to downloading those challenges as well. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Anastasia.
1: You're welcome, Bruce. I've had a great time. I am so delighted to be able to share some of those some of these things with with your listeners.
0: Thank you so much. Well, uh, you have a great rest of your day and all the best to you.
1: Thank you, thank you, you too.
0: Okay, bye now. Bye.